This is KYUK, public radio for the Yukon-Kuskokwim Delta. I'm Francisco Martinez-Cuello. There is a public service announcement from Bethel Search and Rescue. Vehicle traffic on the ice road above Bethel is not recommended. Vehicles are falling through four inches of ice with two feet of water underneath. Bethel Search and Rescue requests all travelers to stay off the ice road. And now for a Tuluksek update. Governor Mike Dunleavy issued a disaster declaration Friday, February 24th, to assist the Tuluksak Native community and the Yupit School District with emergency response expenses related to the broken water line between the water plant and school. The declaration will activate the state's public assistance program to provide needed emergency response resources and disaster cost reimbursement. In early February of this year, personnel from the Yukon-Kuskokwim Health Corporation's Remote Maintenance Worker Program discovered a water supply line break between the community water plant and the school. Winter weather will prevent repairs to the line until spring, so the school has been hauling water for school operations, including feeding, teacher housing, laundry, and sanitation. The water hauling operation has required additional school staff hours, pumps, water storage tanks, and community water plant operation. School staff has been stretched thin in Tuluksak. Schools are a critical part of rural Alaskan communities. They are where people gather, receive meals, conduct in-person learning, and seek shelter during disasters. In order to operate, a school needs a supply of fresh water, said the governor in a statement. This declaration will help the Yupit School District provide water for school operations until permanent waterline repairs can be made. The Tuluksak Native community submitted a local disaster resolution on behalf of the Yupit School District on Friday, February 24th. The State Emergency Operations Center continues to work with the Yupit School District, Tuluksak Native community, Department of Environmental Conservation, Yukon-Kuskokwim Health Corporation, Alaska Energy Authority, and others to support the ongoing response to the water emergency. By 2025, a deep water port in Nome could be fully operational thanks in part to a large injection of federal cash. If completed, it would be the northernmost deep water port in North America. In part two of an ongoing series, Emily Schwing looks at how the community might make space for more ships and what changes might be left in their wake. Those in favor of expanding Nome's port say it's essential for national security. They say it'll be crucial for environmental protection and emergency response as more ships traverse the Arctic Ocean and they call it a boon to the local economy. But Austin Amasa calls these the three big lies. It certainly makes sense to shippers that cutting a thousand or so miles or a couple thousand miles off is cheaper. Um, But it doesn't mean that it's less risky. You're still going through the Arctic. It's still going to be cold. He stands on Nome's sand spit, a thin slice of land that lies at the mouth of the Snake River and stretches out in front of the city's port. There's a deep and rich history here. When you look up Sandspit Nome and you look up historical photographs, you're going to see Alaska Native people living here, celebrating here, uh, harvesting here. This wasn't always a port. Thousands of stampeders flooded this place in the late 1890s in search of gold. Amasek says they wiped out some of the indigenous history on the Sandspit and elsewhere in the community. Now he's seeing that cycle repeat itself. An agenda was developed to turn this area, this traditional area, into mining vessels, conics, an industrial laydown pad, if you will. People still come to Nome to get rich on gold today, but Amasek says there are other ways to measure wealth. What makes Inupiaq people rich? 
<laughs> well, um, I, 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 I certainly think that glorious moment when you are able to take some seal oil that you harvested in May and the greens come out in June and the fish comes out in July, that moment when you can commingle all those foods together, right? And then have a, a sit down at a house, talk about history, talk about legends, talk about how long you've been here. That certainly seems like it's a rich thing. Just behind where Austin Amasek and I stand looking out over the water, Vernon Adkisson meets with two mechanics who are working on a giant gold dredge. Yeah, well, I mean, if you really boil it down, I've probably got at least over 20 solid years of actual sea time. Adkisson stars in the Discovery Channel's reality show, Bering Sea Gold. He's depicted as a gruff businessman with a no-nonsense approach to making money off Norton Sound's rich ocean floor. He's all for the port expansion. Well, I think it's, it promotes commerce for one thing, and that's what, that, that's what keeps the wheels going round. Commerce. But he also has some misgivings. He warns against underestimating the Bering Sea. The weather's so changeable up here, uh, and it's shallow. So when the wind really picks up in a shallow uh, sea, the seas build quicker than out in the middle of the deep blue sea. Ice-free passage over the North Pole could become a reality by 2050. And that'll shave days off transit times that would otherwise take ships south through the Panama Canal. A proposed multi-million dollar expansion of Nome's port would bring more of those ships to town. Right now, larger ships use much smaller boats to deliver cargo and people to shore. It's called lightering, and it's necessary because the current port can't accommodate ships over a certain size. But even with an expansion, lightering will still happen, and Adkisson says there's just not enough oversight. And I know what can go wrong under those conditions. With, with no eyeballs on the scene, not everybody is ethical. There are bilges, there are spills, there are all kinds of things that can happen if there's nobody really keeping eyes on the situation. All this industrial marine traffic brings with it lots of environmental concern. According to the International Maritime Organization, in 2018 alone, the shipping industry was to blame for nearly 3% of the world's carbon dioxide emissions, a potent greenhouse gas. And at least 10% of the ships that travel through the Arctic are burning heavy fuel oil, which can solidify or remain floating for weeks in cold water if it spills. Noise from ships can also disturb wildlife, including marine mammals people like Ben Payena rely on for food. If it was up to me, I'd like to leave it the same as it is right now, honestly. Uh, I don't know if I want to have to deal with all the bigger boats and the bigger industry type scenario um, just right there where we start our hunting journeys. Payana, who grew up in Nome, is a commercial fisherman for crab, salmon, and halibut. And when he's not catching fish as his sole source of income, he's out on his boat hunting for his family's main sources of food, seals and fish, many different bird species, and walrus. Oh, uh, well, I was able to harvest my first one when I was seven. I wasn't really quite big enough to hold a rifle to my shoulder yet, so my dad actually sat me in his lap and he helped to 
held the rifle on his shoulder. Piana says his dad and most of that walrus hunting crew are no longer around. He was a kid the last time the port expanded, and while a decline in sea ice brings opportunity to the shipping industry, he wonders what else a changing climate might take from him. Reporting in Nome, I'm Emily Schwing. This ongoing series is made possible through a grant from the Climate Justice Resilience Fund. Teenagers from across the state competed over the weekend in state cross-country skiing championships. Among more than 200 skiers were two athletes from Sleep Mute. KYUK's Emily Schwing caught up with them. This year's state high school cross-country skiing championships took place over three days at Kincaid Park in Anchorage. And there were more people in the stadium to cheer on the skiers than live in the tiny Kuskokwim River community of Sleepmute. Feels really different. But that didn't phase 13-year-old Kylie Hayden. We're not really used to strangers that much because everybody knows everybody at home. But then here, you don't really know anyone, and they're just cheering for you. Is it cool to have a bigger crowd cheer for you and yeah. ring all these bells? <laughs> yeah, it's cool. What do you like about it? Makes you feel like you're known, even though you live in such a tiny place. Hayden, a high school freshman, participated in both a five-kilometer classic technique race and a seven-and-a-half-kilometer freestyle skate skiing race that included a mass start. She was joined by teammate and eighth grader Tamara Stern Morgan, who came along to learn. So I could do it next year because I'm not in high school yet. Okay, so what are you learning? A lot of people are fast. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the kids in Sleep Mute have been skiing on village trails since they were in preschool, thanks to support from the Alaska based nonprofit Skiku, a program that works with school districts to get kids outside and on skis every winter. Angela Hayden is a teacher in Sleep Mute. She also coaches skiing in the village, and she's Kylie's mom. And I heard that you didn't have to qualify for state, so I was like, wait, we can just jump in and do it, because there's no there's no competitions out in our area, no races, so the only place we could come would be here on the road system to race. Yeah. Hayden says Sleepmute tried to host its own race this year. We tried last weekend, we did one, um, but we couldn't, the weather was bad. So we had to cancel all the other schools that were going to come. She says Sleep Mute may reschedule that race. Just inspire some kids, see if there are some other kids from other schools and that might be interested. Sleep Mute is the only team from off Alaska's road system to compete in state championships this year. Other teams came from as far south as Homer and as far north as Fairbanks to take part. In Anchorage, I'm Emily Schwing. This is KYUK News. I'm Francisco Martinez Cuello. Kuyana for listening. Please share your news tips, comments, or suggestions. You can email us at news at kyuk.org or message us on Facebook. And stay tuned for News Yuktum coming up.